Good afternoon and welcome to Global Data Pod, JP Morgan's podcast on issues related to what's happening in the global economy. Today I'm joined, I'm Bruce Kasman, by the way, and today I'm joined by Joe Lupton. And we're going to do something different than our normal weekender. We're going to actually talk about our research product we just developed, um, our natural language processor for uh, central banks, at least three central banks at this point. Um, which really got launched today or yesterday, excuse me, with the Fed and ECB meetings. Uh, so Joe Lupton, you've been uh, uh, responsible with your team of quant uh, um, analysts, engineers, whatever, uh, doing this. And why don't you start by just giving the motivation uh, for uh, what we're doing, and then we'll get a little bit more into the weeds of this before we start talking about what we saw uh, with today's results. Sure. So, you know, I think we've gone down this route before in the past, and certainly natural language processing to central bank speak is nothing new. If you go back probably over a decade and people have been trying to do this, I think for people who know this, they would probably say that it was not really great. It was mildly useful. And then we did a, a kind of a deeper dive on this back in 2019. And it got some interesting results, but just didn't really feel like it had traction. And so we approached this. We started it up again uh, a year ago. I was skeptical given that history that I just told you that we're going to get much out of it. But my team was kind of anxious to to apply some of the new tools. And at the time, the newest tools were kind of the Google's uh, BERT technology. And so we set about applying that. And I wanted to really develop this tool to have a deliverable. And so rather than just doing things like mind shares, like the topics that central banks are discussing, and that's what some of these tools were doing in the past, I wanted something very concrete and deliverable. I just wanted to know, is a speech hawkish or is it dovish? So, so we really created approached... this, uh, this hawk dove uh, score as a exactly. way of synthesizing. It, um, to, let's tell exactly. us what the hawk dove score is. Well, I mean, the Hawk Dove score, I mean, first of all, the, the way we're able to get to that is is not only applying the the, the kind of the, the, this bird technology, but we found that training the model and, and applying, you know, tagging certain sentences, and we found as tagging as much as three to 4,000 sentences, um, that really improved the accuracy of this. And so when we, we basically got a, uh, you know, a, a, a signal of whether a sentence is hawkish or, a, or, or dovish, and then we aggregate those sentences up to find out, uh, we weight it by how relevant it is. And relevance is determined by a, a list of topics that we think are important. And it's a broad list. We're talking like 128 type categories. Um, and we create this weighted average for every every speech uh, has a weighted average, and the unit of analysis is the sentence. Um, the Hawk Dove score that clients who are listening are going to have access to uh, is a three month moving average of all the speeches that are coming out over the past three months. Um, and we do that simply to create something that's easy and tangible for clients that really want to get granular and want to see the speech level data, we can make that available to you. Just reach out to us and there'll be a spreadsheet where you can get into that. However, I would say this three month variable ended up being you know, far more uh, interesting and delivered much more interesting results than I had expected when we started this project. So I think it's pretty exciting uh, outcome. So talk to me, we're doing this for three countries right now. We're doing it for the Fed, the ECB and the Bank of England. But talk to me on how you sort of took the Dub 
uh, score and then stress tested it against its its usability. There are a couple of different ways yeah. you, you check that. So let's go through that. Yeah. So the first thing we did is we we said, okay, well, let's look at speeches and let's look at speeches heading into a policy meeting. And for the policy meeting, we also have a hawk dove score. Was the statement hawkish or dovish? And so a natural question would be say, do the speeches in the intermediate period, tell me anything about how, how hawkish or dovish the, the statement is going to be. In other words, do speakers lead the statements? And sure enough, we found it's statistically significant and it does lead it. So over the intermediate period, as you're getting kind of more information that speakers are either leaning more hawkish or dovish, you should expect a more hawkish or dovish statement. So that was point one. It's a bit circular because it's just the hawk dove score on itself. But nonetheless, that was a good starting point. We then took it to rates, which is what most people on this call are going to care about. And lo and behold, if you look at intermediate periods, uh, you do find a statistically significant impact of the hawk dove score on what actual policy rate outcomes uh, that you get, either at the actual policy rate level, you can look out at the one year, doesn't matter. And there is leading information. And we find leading information at the one week leading, we find it at the four week, uh, all the way out to eight weeks in terms of this this three month rolling average leading kind of rate moves as much as eight, eight weeks uh, down the road. So very interesting results there. The last thing that we do, that I think is going to be very interesting when we expand this to many central banks and reader or uh, listeners should know, as, as you just said, Bruce, we're doing it for three banks, but we're going to do this for all 30 plus central banks. The three that we have, if you compare, for instance, the Hawk Dove score of the ECB less the Hawk Dove score of the Fed, well, that should tell you something about currency moves. And lo and behold, uh, it's preliminary, but it does seem like it lines up relatively well with movements in the euro. Similarly, the the uh, you know the BOE against the Fed kind of leads movements in sterling. Uh, the ECB versus the BOE uh, tends to be movements in the euro sterling cross. So that's just the beginning. I mean, you got thirty of these. Eventually, we're going to have you can do lots of neat things on the currency space. So I think it's, it's as I said, I was very surprised at how effective these were. I was had a kind of a low a low opinion of this going into it and it's it's been an impressive result. So before we turn to talking about what we learned uh, yesterday from the Fed and today from the ECB, let's just uh, tell uh, folks actually how, at least those that are clients of JP Morgan, how they can actually access this. Yeah, so yeah, excellent question. So um, obviously I would encourage people to read the, the, the white paper, which is our kind of primer on this methodology. That's the report we're discussing. And that link will be in the description of this podcast. Uh, but um, so a reader should view that, but the data is, is going to be available through a number of platforms. It will, uh, you know, certainly be on our data query platform. That's our proprietary JP Morgan platform. Um, it will also be available, and I shouldn't say will, it is. It's up there. It's running now. So you can get it on data query now. Uh, you can get it on Bloomberg. Uh, so, all, you know, and the codes to these are in the white paper. So you can um, get access to those and just go right into Bloomberg and start pulling these up in, in real time. Uh, so that's those are the platforms that people have now. As I mentioned, if 
if there are people out there who really want to get into the granular level, and I think there's lots of neat things to do at the speaker level, uh, we can send someone a spreadsheet with every speech and the way we scored every speech, as well as the relevancy weighting of that, that speech. So uh, that's available. We'll probably end up putting that on Morgan Markets at some point where people can just download it automatically. But for now, if people want that, they can reach out to us. Okay, so everybody should be aware. Reach out to Joe, not to me. You need to get this stuff. <laughs> um, Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. You're, you're, that's the that's the <laughs> pleasures of having uh, led the project. So there you go. But uh, let's turn to so we now basically this week turned it live for the first time. We had the Fed yesterday and the ECB today. I have to say, I think I've learned something about this, looking at the results from the Fed. And why don't we just go through that? We we scored the FOMC statement, and then we scored uh, the press conference. So why don't you take us through the uh, the messages uh, from the NLP report? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely tell you our messages. I am curious to hear your thoughts. One, because you're certainly a more seasoned Fed watcher, and also because you're kind of a new user coming to this. So I think your impression of this is going to be indicative of how other people are going to interpret it. But just to get the, the numbers out there, I think the statement came out um, uh, roughly as statements have been running very hawkish. The statement yesterday came out as hawkish as it was in the previous statement. Now, I know people right off the bat are going to say, what? Right, the record's going to skip here because most people viewed the statement as less hawkish simply because of the, the wording change that kind of suggested that they're getting pretty close and likely probably have just done their, their last well, hike. To be specific, it, the sentence that said, in determining the extent of to which additional policy firming might may be appropriate, and that right. switched from uh, a discussion of um, further uh, uh, increases in the Fed target range. So there was definitely a shift there. Right. And I, you know, as, yeah, there was a change and, and I, I will, this is important, right? I mean, these are just machines and I, and I want to say, I think these are going to get far better when we advance to a, a, like a chat GPT format, which we are kind of slowly getting the access to be able to do that and we will be doing that uh but right now it is this BERT based model and i think there's there's you know there's room for improvement here and it that it's that's a nuance that this the current model did not pick up on so i i recognize that it was not a uh, you know kind of a shining moment uh i hope re uh, readers and listeners who go and look at this data will see leaving aside some of the these types of misses the broad sweep of this data is pretty darn impressive so i don't want to lose sight of that but yes the statement gave it as hawkish i would call that a bit of a miss still hawkish it did grade it as hawkish and i think the statement is hawkish so it got that right the press conference, um, I think, was viewed as somewhat more dovish uh, and, you know, in a, or I should say less hawkish. Right. So I think in that sense, it got it right. Once you it the, the, the model had enough language to kind of hear Powell talking about things um, and, uh, you know, heard the way he was kind of backing, um, you know, backing away from the super hawkish statements that we had, say, like, you know, six months ago, you could see that general drift lower. And this has been an ongoing trend in the hawk dove score. You can see it very clearly that kind of started to get less hawkish uh, really since I think it peaked in um, probably the fourth quarter of last year. And I think that's that's probably true the way most people would think about 
um, you know, what's been happening in the in the way the the, the Fed has been uh, kind of setting policy. So I guess I guess my uh, response to what I saw was both to recognize that for things like statements where words are parsed very um, tightly and uh, uh, the you know the um, messaging may not be uh, as kind of clean and clear cut as you uh, might want. This this uh, tool didn't do that great this time because it didn't pick up the idea that moving language to talking about uh, uh, extent of additional tightening may be appropriate as opposed to uh, you know the size of further increases uh, are, are po probable is a significant shift. It just didn't catch that. But I also yep. think the um, uh, and I think as you say maybe as we as we teach it more and it learns more it'll pick that up. But I think in the press conference, which is a far broader statement with a lot more messaging going on and you get much more color in terms of Powell's speech, I think it did a very good job. And not only did it come in less hawkish, but quite frankly, it looks like it was the most, was the least hawkish or the most dovish uh, uh, press conference. Least hawkish. Had. Least hawkish. Okay, let's yeah. say least hawkish as we've had since sometime uh, really the, towards the middle part of last year. So that's a big shift it's signaling, which I think is appropriate in terms of what actually happened um, at the at the press conference. So I think, you know, I think we learned that, you know, it needs, it may need more expansive signaling and discussion from the Fed to get some of the uh, messaging right. And I think it did in the press conference and probably didn't have enough to really go on here uh, on the on the statement side. So let's yep. let's go from there and and now turn to the uh, uh, the ECB where um, um, you know the kind of the picture was a little bit reversed, right? Because you had um, yeah you had the uh, um, press conference, if I'm not mistaken, coming in. Um, well, actually, not the press conference did come in more dovish. The yeah, in fact, the it statement wasn't, came in more hawkish. The statement did come in more hawkish. And the press conference came in more dovish, and I think again, um, that probably is hard. I haven't gone through the parsing of the language in the statement for the ECB. I don't know if you have, but uh, I would say there's a, a somewhat, probably somewhat of a similar story here in an ECB that um, was not dovish by any means here, but certainly didn't deliver the continued fifty and was somewhat a bit more equivocal in terms of how um, you know things look here in terms of how. How much further they might have to go although they were pretty clear that they do have more more rate hikes to do here yeah i mean in my, in my mind i i felt like some some may have said oh well this was clearly dovish because there was talk of a 50 we had a 50 and they delivered a 25 so isn't that dovish it, it, i would have said that you know they were probably either going to do a dovish 50 or a hawkish 25 and what we got was a hawkish 25 and the the statement parsing kind of picked that up right they delivered 25 and it came across as more hawkish than the past uh meeting um i i i guess i personally felt like lagarde was on the more hawkish side in the press conference um but the obviously the the model thought she was a little less and 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 you're right i I'm on the road right now, so I haven't had a chance to really look at the actual parsing of that speech. But um, nonetheless, it was still a hawkish, and it scores hawkish. It was just well. I think in contrast to the time. Fed, where the where the press conference this time was both more dovish than the last one, but also more dovish than anything we've seen in over a year. Uh, the way it scores is a little less uh, hawkish than last time, but far more hawkish than anything we've had 
basically yeah, press conferences right. over the last over the last uh, six to nine months. So yeah, I think there that, is that, that, that message that you wanted to get across there. Um, so yeah. now having seen this and thinking about you know where we are going forward with this, what what messages would you like to leave us with on the um, NLP stuff as we kind of actually start to run this thing and then of course start to move towards expanding um, both the country coverage as well as perhaps developing some new tools in terms of how to use these these uh, individual uh, metrics yeah I mean I think there's kind of three areas that I would emphasize like you know one is that um, you know this notion of, of, of using the latest technologies uh, you know moving to the to the chat GPT which is something that we are exploring um but uh you know that you know i and i actually think chat pt chat gpt is is like a probably an order of magnitude more sophisticated than than what we are currently doing so if we're impressed with what we're getting now uh i think it's going to be a, a real step change when we get the ability to to kind of implement some of these kind of newer technologies so that is, i think is, is extremely exciting to know what that can do and maybe it even can do some of the the tagging and annotation in a way that we're kind of doing by hand chat gpt may be able to do that on its own kind of teach itself right which is the way people talk about these things so that's uh you know exciting the second thing as as you noted was um was just the expanding to other countries and that that's going to be coming our goal is to get uh the the kind of the the, the developed economies done by the um you know sometime here in the in the second maybe early third quarter and then finish out the em by the, before the end of the year so we'd have then the broad set that's where it gets really exciting in terms of doing all these cross-country um uh comparisons the third thing as you as, and you mentioned is just kind of thinking about different ways to, to maybe use the tools and create new tools off it. And there was a lot we left on the cutting room floor. Uh, I think one area of interest is to think of, you know, hawk dove surprise indexes, right? You can imagine like a Bullard, you know, if the Fed gives a speech and you may say, oh, well, Bullard, is, you know, he's always, you know, the, you know, hawkish. And so I, I'm not going to be surprised if he gives a hawkish speech. Moreover, you might say, uh, you know, because of where the labor market is and because of where inflation is, you would expect him to speak this way. And then you have a residual in that. And that residual could be actually turned into a product of a surprise. You know, this speech, given it's Bullard, given where the labor market is, given where inflation is, this is the hawk dove score you should get. Uh, instead, we got this. So this is the surprise that should kind of maybe impact markets. Another way and to that lines is, with a number of the other tools which we've been doing, which are surprises. Exactly. Things like exactly the nowcasters on growth and some of the yep. metrics on yeah on inflation. They're as very well. interesting things to do there. The other thing, Bruce, I think is is interesting. This was come, coming to me the the other day is um, actually using our tools to try to predict where the dots are with the Fed. Um, you know, that's like a cottage industry of people predicting where the dots are, but this actually lends itself to do that, right? This is like a kind of an NLP induced dot uh, for every, every speaker. So, I mean, that's what I, what I really hope is clients run with this, right? Because I, I think there's so much that can be done with it. And, you know, as people develop their own uses and obviously their own proprietary uses, and maybe they get some type of alpha out of this or edge out of this. Uh, you know, good for them. I want them to to use this stuff. 
Okay, so I think we'll uh, wrap it up there. Um, plenty to follow up on and hope that people who have questions and comments uh, contact Joe. So thanks again, everybody. <laughs> and I uh, hope we can continue the conversation. Um, we'll have the weekender tomorrow and um, uh, obviously continue on the podcast as we go forward from here. Thank you very much. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved.